0: So I'll talk a little bit about myself since I see so many new covers here, um, which is wonderful. Uh, my name's is Ken Kai Brandon Lampson. And I started practicing at the Houston Zen Center in 2005 when it wasn't located in this building, but it was down Heights Boulevard. And um, I took the precepts in 2009 <laughs> Yes, with my good Dharma friend, Gail Claybor and other friends who were with us, Lynn Murphy, um, Michael. and Michael. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and in right before the pandemic in 2018, um, I started thinking about uh, asking my teacher, Setsuan Gail and Godwin, for pre-sordination. And uh, we had a succession of conversations about that. And then um, I started to embark on that path. And then the pandemic struck. And amidst the pandemic, I received an offer to teach at the University of Texas at Austin. So suddenly I was moving from Houston to Austin. (coughs) completely unforeseen, um, a wonderful, wonderful event, opportunity. Um, And then I was faced with this separation anxiety from the wonderful Houston Zen Center and from the Sangha here. And then it became a conversation with my teacher about continuing this process of ordination, of study, of intense practice, and staying connected to the Houston Sangha even when I'm in Austin. And I'm so fortunate that the two cities are in close proximity. So um, I gave that background because I'm gonna be talking about home leaving, the tradition of leaving home um, as described by Ehe Dogen, the founder of Soto Zen, in a fascicle that he wrote near the end of his life called The Virtue of Home. So, as I am working on this step and the ordination ceremony involves, um, in part, taking the same precepts that those of you who have taken the precepts as lay practitioners have experienced. Uh, The same precepts, the same bodhisattva vow. As I've been considering that, I've thought, how can I engage in this home leaving tradition? without literally leaving my family. How does Dogen talk about home leaving, not just in the literal sense? I, as a practitioner, am gonna go off and live in a monastery. I'm gonna leave home and live with a monastic community. Uh, That's certainly the fundamental understanding of home leaving in our tradition. It goes back to uh, Gautama Buddha. And him leaving his life of privilege, leaving the palace in order to seek enlightenment and to practice extensively. Um, but I think that in this text that I'm going to talk about today, Dogen suggests other ways of understanding home leaving. There aren't simply a kind of literal leaving home. I see, um, it's wonderful to see a whole range of ages here in the audience. And so I think, just conventionally speaking, what do we, what does home leaving connote? Right? For some of us, home leaving is an act of individuation. It's kind of a big deal. Like the college students I teach who are leaving home for the first time. And here they are living on campus um, apart from their families. Or maybe during the pandemic, they had to move back home. Right? and now we're coming back to campus. Also though, leaving home is kind of an everyday thing, right? I'm speaking post-pandemic life. It's kind of an everyday thing. Like We, we, you know, we leave home, <laughs> we go out, we venture into the world, we go to places like the Houston Zen Center, we sit, um, we practice together, we go back home, we leave again. So leaving home can be kind of a significant event in our lives kind of maturational benchmark. But it also could be something that's very everyday. Um, And I'll I'll get back to that later when I'm talking about Dogen's writing. So um, I think that there are three ways that I want to interpret Dogen's take on home leaving. The first is that home leaving is essentially an act of forsaking certainty and security. What it means to leave home, in terms of practice, is leaving security and certainty and opening to something that's referred to often as groundlessness. And um, in that context, home is understood as habitual patterns of behavior, familiar ways of thinking, familiar ways of understanding the world. Home leaving is softening with those habitual patterns, starting to see the habitual patterns and work with them, and then to soften with those patterns. Another way that I want to talk about home leaving, is as Dogen expresses it, is home leaving is an expression of the vow to awaken for the benefit of all beings. Home leaving is an expression of the vow to awaken in order to benefit all beings. And then uh, the third way I'll talk about home leaving. It's home leaving as a kind of shorthand for zazen itself. Um, When we leave home, we come and we sit on the cushion. We enter into this practice space. The cushion is not our home. It's not meant to be a permanent, um, fixed place. We rise from our cushion, like we sit zazen, and then we rise from the cushion and we leap back into the world and we perform beneficial actions. We listen to the cries of suffering beings. I'll talk more about how Dogen speaks about home leaving as a shorthand for zazen um, toward the end of the talk. So um, Dogen wrote this fascicle, Virtue of Home Leaving, toward the end of his life. And it was an elaboration of an earlier text that he wrote about home leaving. Uh, So it was an important theme for him, one that he returned to. He begins this um, fascicle by quoting an exchange between the the second-century Buddhist teacher, Nagarjuna, and a student. And the student asks Nagarjuna, um, if lay practitioners who have received the precepts are going to be awakened, Why should people leave home and take the precepts? And Nagarjuna says, I'm paraphrasing, uh, there's a hard way and an easy way. And the hard way is to be the lay practitioner because um, you have to take care of your vocation, your livelihood. There are lots of entanglements and involvements in daily life. Furthermore, you have familial relationships. You have to deal with those people, right? And and those attachments are very uh, strong, as we all know. And they can distract us from practice. Whereas for the home leaver who enters into monastic life, much easier. They don't need to contend with making a living. They are separated from there are familial relationships that are so activated and powerfully um, powerfully binding in different ways. And so uh, Nagarjuna ends with this line, leaving the household is similar to going out into an empty field where there are no people. Then the monks can keep their minds unified and free from thinking. So apparently you've all chosen the hard way, congratulations, (laughs) (laughs) you're here. Um, But I was really struck by that image of empty field. Um, Leaving the household, entering into monastic life is like going out into an empty field where there are no people. First I thought, well, um, that's obviously false. Like when you go into the monastery, there's lots of people there, by the way, (laughs) depending on where you are. And um they give you problems too. <laughs> they present challenges as well. Like for those of us who've done extensive retreats or gone to places to practice, right? You you really interact with people in that kind of environment in a very intimate way. That is a wonderful practice opportunity. Um so then I thought, well, maybe home leaving in this non-literal sense, is more about some type, some type of internal orientation. Some type of internal or inner orientation towards everything that I'm practicing with. The people around me, my environment. Um, I remember the 9th century Zen teacher, Hong Zhu, his phrase, um, he described Zazen as cultivating the empty field cultivating the empty field. This is a text that was written roughly 400 years before Dogen wrote his text. And and Hongzhu said, the field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. You must purify, cure, grind down, or brush away all the tendencies you have fabricated into apparent habits. Then you can reside in the clear circle of brightness. So here, this image of the boundless field is one of this kind of of Buddha nature, something that's clear and luminous and bright, but it's obscured by these habitual tendencies. So I thought maybe leaving home is a metaphor for that process of working with these habitual tendencies, working with, if I think about relationships with family members, working with the things that trigger me most strongly, I'm working with my reactive, conditioned patterns. And that interests me a lot. Um, I tried to think about examples, and then I started thinking about what's the recovery group that meets here now? What's name? Living Lotus. Living Lotus, what a beautiful name. Ah, we have one of the founders here. <laughs> right. So I thought about 12-step recovery and recovery meetings as a kind of home leaving uh, in in this sense, right? That here is a space where a bunch of people can come together. Um, Often in those meetings, nobody wants to be there. That's really what binds them together. It's like, oh, I really wish I could go to these meetings. Me neither. Let's go. (laughs) Let's really go over here, right? Um, So being in the place where you don't want to be and nobody else there really wants to be either, is pretty amazing, right? And um, and it's a space of confession and repentance. Just one way to look at it. Confession and repentance. Which um, I know the founder of this temple tension, uh, Reb Anderson, sometimes he describes that practice as confession and repentance. Um, so in those meetings, people share openly, right? And they're listened to. And they often talk also about making living amends. Like the way that I'm living and showing up now is the way that I am uh, making amends or trying to repair the harm I've done to other people, and to myself, through my past actions. Um. I will be coming back to this in a moment. You'll see why I'm bringing this up. Uh, The second way I want to talk about home leaving, as Dogen describes it, is home leaving is an expression of the vow to awaken, to benefit all beings. He tells two stories um, to illustrate this idea, and they're really entertaining stories. Um, The first is about the nun Udpalavarna, Utpalavarna, who's part of our um, lineage of female ancestors, Zen ancestors. Utpalavarna, she approaches uh, in this story a group of young noble women and she encourages them to leave their lives of luxury and to become monks. They say, we are young and beautiful. It would be hard to keep the precepts. (laughs) I imagine this is like these these women are like the Kardashians. They're like, (laughs) we're like doing really well over here. We don't need to leave home actually. And it'd be really hard to keep these precepts Um, because you know we've got a million followers or whatever. (laughs) Um, And then I really I really enjoy Upalavarna's response. She tells them, leave home anyway, even if you do break the precepts later on. (laughs) Just do it, leave home anyway. And the women respond, and I'm quoting Dogen's telling story, if we break the precepts, we will fall into hell. How can we do that? Upalavarna answers, then go ahead and fall into hell. (laughs) And I think, brilliant, (laughs) brilliant. Um, So uh, she doesn't stop there because I imagine they just looked at her with an incredulous stare. Huh? (laughs) That doesn't sound very appealing. So then she tells them more about her own story, about her own journey. And she said that, um, in a past life, she'd been an entertainer. Um, Another translation I read, Uses the word prostitute. So entertainer, prostitute, you know, different translations. Um, who put on various costumes and spoke memorized lines. So Upalawana was a performer who put on costumes and spoke uh, lines that she had memorized. Once, as a joke, she donned a nun's clothes. And as a result, in her next life, she was reborn as a nun in the time of Kashyapa Buddha. I love that. She's like, "Okay, I'm just gonna. Okay, let's just for fun. I'll dress up like a nun this year." <laughs> oh, whoa. Okay, I've done something <laughs> consequential. <laughs> there are actually profound repercussions to this um, to this action. Due to her arrogance, as she's been reborn as a nun in the time of Kashyapa Buddha, due to her arrogance, she broke a precept and fell into a hell realm where she experienced various punishments. In her next birth, she met Shakyamuni Buddha, left her household, and became an arhat, or an enlightened being. Um, How do we understand this story? One thing I noticed, the, the intense power of this home leaving, that when one takes the precepts, when one makes these vows, They are tremendously powerful. And even if one doesn't do so intentionally, there's something about this orientation towards the practice and towards this this vow that is really pervasive and strong and life-changing, transformative. It's transformative. The second story um, is also... um, very interesting. It's the story of the drunk Brahmin. This is not a story about recovery. <laughs> 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 so, in this story that Dogen tells, um, a drunken Brahmin, um, a Hindu from a high caste, approached Shakyamuni Buddha, and um, he was tipsy, apparently, uh, and he asked to become a monk. Then the Buddha tells his disciple Ananda to shave the Brahmin's head and give him a dharma, a dharma robe. Shave his head and give him a Dharma robe. When the Brahmin woke up um, and sobered up, he was so shocked at what he'd done that he ran away. <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here, what happened? <laughs> um, there was a tiger in the hotel room. I lost my money. And oh, OK, become a Buddhist monk. <laughs> So, uh, as you can imagine, the Buddha's disciples were like, what was up with that? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Um, And the Buddha responded, he, the Brahmin, would never otherwise have aspired to leave the household for immeasurable eons. He aroused a faint aspiration because he was drunk. (laughs) Due to such causes and conditions, he will leave the household and attain the way in the future. Again, another story about the, the power of the vow, of this act of home leaving. This vow to awaken for the benefit of all beings, even if one isn't doing, isn't, isn't uh, fully consciously aware of all the repercussions of this vow. I think um, another message I get from this story is that the voice off a path isn't always linear. It's not always a linear trajectory. And leaving home, in Dogen's understanding, this is kind of complex, is not, leaving home isn't necessarily linear either. It's not like I was a child when I grew up, and at an appropriate time, I left home, and that was the end of that. Um, in this sense, but we see that with the story of Bhupalavarna, right, how she um, has this non-linear route towards awakening, she, breaks, she becomes a nun, she breaks precepts, she falls into the hell realm, she re-emerges, she practices, again, she awakens. Um, Dogen writes in, in his text, all sentient beings should clearly receive this teaching with trust and practice it in the past, present, and future. Indeed, arousing the aspiration and attaining the way always take place in one moment. This Brahman's merit of momentarily leaving the household is like this. Arousing the aspiration and attaining the way always takes place in one moment. I, I find this teaching really inspiring. I hope that you all find inspiration in this too. That. Um, that you can have doubts and uncertainties. And uh, if you resolve to practice wholeheartedly, and if you make the decision to take precepts or to make particular vows, that has an, an incredibly powerful impact. And your doubts and your uncertainties can be held too in that practice space. Um, I think this teaching also poses a question to us which is, um, are we leaving home yet? Uh, If we haven't taken the precepts, are we interested in learning more about them? What would it mean to take precepts? Those of us who have taken the precepts, how are we modeling this kind of home leaving uh, for our fellow Sangha members? I think that these questions lead to um, the third way that I want to talk about Dogen's take on home leaving, um, which is that it is a shorthand for zazen. Uh, As I said earlier, uh, when we sit on our cushions, we leave our familiar surroundings and we find another sense of anchoring, another sense of grounding in this body and mind. And we study the self from this position. And then when the Zazen period ends, we transition into another way of being, which is not separate from Zazen, but yet gives us an opportunity to interact with other people in different ways. It's also important to notice that um, that we need to ground. We need to have this grounding and this and practice uh, in order to to notice all of those habitual tendencies and patterns of behavior and feeling. To notice our strong attachments, and then to uh, to settle with them, and to see the possibility of home leaving is something that we can do, metaphorically speaking, metaphorically speaking. Um, So home leaving is not abandoning yourself, it's not abandoning others, it's not abandoning relationships. It's reframing them, I think, in a larger container, which is this container of practice. Um, there's a beautiful passage in this, toward the end of this essay, this text by Dogen, where he talks about um, the Buddha speaking to a group of monks who have left home. And he says, The Buddha said, You home leavers should not arouse an unwholesome mind. If you do, you are not home leavers. Your action and speech should be in accord with each other. If they aren't, you are not home leavers. I abandoned my parents, siblings, family members, relatives, and teachers to leave the household and practice the way. Indeed, this is the time to assemble wholesome awakening. Wholesome awakening is to have a tender heart toward all sentient beings as if they were babies. So. To leave home is to assemble wholesome awakening. How do we do that together? How do we do that together? Even if one literally leaves home, let's just say for argument's sake, and joins a monastic community, um, if your actions and your speech is not in accord, with your fellow home leavers, you're not really a home leaver. This is, this is really um, really significant, I think, that home leaving is about creating this environment of harmony among all of us. And of course, there's that beautiful phrase at the end, what does wholesome awakening mean? In this sense, it means having a tender heart. all sentient beings as though they were babies, as though um, they were all vulnerable and sensitive beings, as we all are. So the home leaving is the cultivation of a certain kind of heart and mind. Dogen added to this retelling of what the Buddha said to this group of monks. Dogen says, Thus, the self-nature of a home-leaver is having a tender heart toward all sentient beings as if they were babies. The self-nature. So, I want to end with the ending of this particular fascicle. (laughs) And after all of this, um, all of this inspiring uh, interpretation of home leaving the Dogen gives us, and again, this is um, how I'm reading Dogen's message about home leaving, as um, both a literal act of leaving home and entering the monastery, but also as an opportunity to look at one's uh, habitual patterns of behavior, of thinking, as a way of um, also expressing the vow to awaken for all beings. And then finally, as home leaving is kind of a metaphor for Zazen itself, for the practice that we're doing together. Um, He gives you two really concrete arguments as to why you should leave home. After, there is all this interpretation about home leaving, And they're pretty straightforward, so I'll just uh, quickly run through them. The first is, you've been gifted with the human body and the opportunity to practice the way. So as we've seen in many of our Zen scriptures, um, there's this exhortation to not waste time take advantage of this precious opportunity. Um, Dogen writes, do not waste your most excellent body and leave the dewdrop-like life to the wind of impermanence. A lovely image. He says, the human body is born and perishes. Since olden times, there's not been a single person who clung to the body and made it stay. Yet if you turn around, leave the household, and receive the precepts, you realize unsurpassable complete enlightenment, realized by the Buddhas of the past, present, and future, which is the indestructible diamond Buddha fruit. Who among the wise would not joyously seek this? I also like the diamond Buddha fruit because there's an image of hardness, right? kind of crystalline clarity and a softness fruit, indestructible diamond Buddha fruit. So there's one argument. You have this precious opportunity. The second is that all of our Buddha ancestors have practiced this home leaping in some way. That we have this tradition that we ourselves are remaking We're remaking and participating in the tradition. And for the tradition to be alive, for it to be sustained, we all have to be able to connect with it from where we are in this moment. And um, the tradition needs us. We need the tradition, and the tradition needs us too. So I hope that we can all um, continue to uh, meditate on and consider mm-hmm. what this home leaving uh, practice entails.